0: Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. If you're joining online, thank you for being here. Uh, Overflow, glad that you are here as well. We are continuing on in our Essentials series that we've been on for the past couple months, looking at essential truths, elements, aspects of our faith, the Christian faith. Um, Last week, Drew explained how and why grace is essential. This morning I'm talking about how how works are essential and fit into our faith. Next week Rick will be back explaining why and how faith is essential. Now, from the start you might think like, "Well, shouldn't works come after faith?" and it said that that is true. It's sort of putting the the cart before the horse, not that I'm calling Rick a horse. Um, he 's more of a stallion if, if you know him well, so that's that we 're just going to clarify that right here um, but it 's how the weeks fell so this morning we 're talking about the essential nature of works to our faith now, because of works, right when we talk about works and essential like there 's there's, there's some danger areas that we can talk about so we 're going to kind of take a big picture, talk about works with salvation works after salvation. So we're going to be in a number of passages this morning because I think all these things need to be addressed to give a full picture. But let me pose this question as we, as we begin. Is How do you know something is true? How do you know something is true? You know, sometimes we, we think an idea might be true or something is a fact, but then what do we do? We look for evidence, for example, I can say that I love Angie Nauman. Now, that's my wife, by the way. She's over here. I won't point her out. I can say that, right? I can I can say it. I can think it. I I believe it's true. But at the end of the day, how does that, how do you know that's true? Well, it's proven in my actions. Do I do I demonstrate? that that love is, is true. The proof is going to be seen in my actions. Now, the reality is sometimes it's proven true and sometimes it's not. We'll, we'll just leave it there, okay? Our actions demonstrate what is truly True. Right? Our, our works reveal what is truly on the inside. You know what is important to someone by what they do. You know what they believe by how they live. You know what they value by how they spend their money. You know which team you rooted for yesterday by the look on your face today. I'm not going to name any names here, okay? What we do when no one is looking is, is evidence Is evidence of what is really true about what we believe, how we respond when we get criticized, how how we how we how we live while we're in the middle of of stop traffic, when someone cuts us off. Our works are a strong evidence of what we believe and about whether or not our salvation is true, about whether our relationship with Jesus is authentic. So we're talking about first about salvation, works and salvation. What is the role of works when it comes to our salvation? Well, first, and this is nothing new, it's like you could be saved by good works. And if I just pause right there, and that would make for a wonderful sound bite later on. Out. You could be saved by good works. Nate is not saying that. You could be saved work, by good works if all you had was only good works. But we know that none of us meet that standard, do we? Only Jesus meets that perfect standard. The whole book of Romans, Paul's making this case. Turn to Romans 3, verses 9, kind of the second half of verse 9. And he's he's saying, For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, right? Everybody are under sin. As it is written, no one is righteous. No, not even one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Paul says, we we can't do good. It's impossible for us. For by works, verse 20 for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Then, verse 23: all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How are we justified? How are we made or declared right? We're justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a a propitiation, which is a a kind of a big word of saying a protective covering from the wrath and judgment of God that was rightfully due upon us because of our sin. But Jesus was the satisfactory and and sufficient uh, offering to protect us from that judgment that we deserved How do we get that gift of forgiveness and salvation? To be received by faith, which Rick will explain more next week. If your works were only good, then you would have a chance to be saved on the basis of your good works. But you and I both full know well that that is not all that we bring to the table. We know that we fall short of that standard, and only Jesus has met that standard, and it Paul says clearly in his second letter to the Corinth, 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He, referring to the Father, made him, referring to Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. That Jesus was the perfect human, the only human who has ever lived a perfect life, and he was made sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus, because he met the perfect standard, could be the offering for us so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And the scriptures teach from beginning to end that we're not good enough, yet Jesus was. Every other wor- world religion says this, if you can do this and then this and then do a little more of this, then maybe you'll be good enough in the end and God will let you into heaven. But that's not, that, that's not what our scriptures teach. The scriptures teach you can never be good enough. You'll never meet that standard only through Jesus and placing your weight, all your faith, In him, upon him, what he did for us, will you be saved? Our scriptures teach that earning salvation by works is a false gospel. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that anyone can boast. Again, a clear, consistent, compelling message throughout our scriptures it is by grace through faith, not by what you can do, because you can't do enough. Paul wrote to a church in Galatia saying that you, you, you cannot add works. A, a different, if you try to add works to this gospel message, it's a false gospel Earning salvation by works is a false gospel. Galatians 1, 6 to 7. Paul says, I'm astonished. Like, I, I can't believe that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. Again, this grace, because that's how you're saved. And you're turning to a different gospel, which he says, there's really not even a different gospel. There's not even another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort this gospel of Christ. See, the Galatians were saying, that salvation was by, was by faith, but also by adding in a, a few extra works. This extra Old Testament law, specifically the issue of circumcision, they said, well, you got to do that too in order to truly be saved. But Paul makes it clear, Galatians 2.16, Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, so that we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified, in order to be declared righteous. It's by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because no one by works of the law can be justified. Works won't save you. You can't earn your salvation by works. Paul makes it clear that you can't earn your salvation, but he also makes it clear that you can't. Keep or maintain your salvation or grow in Christ-likeness by works. goes on in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Oh, you foolish Galatians. He, he does, he's not pulling any punches. He's not mincing any words here. You foolish Galatians, Galatians who has bewitched you? This, who, who's, who's put you in a, a trance, kind of captured your mind? Who's lied to you and deceived you? It says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Paul is saying, I was in your presence. I'm the one who presented the gospel to you. I told you that the gospel salvation was through a crucified Jesus and what he did for you. So let me ask you this, verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by works, by your good works, or by hearing through faith? It was hearing through faith. So why are you so foolish? If you began by the Spirit, are you now thinking that you can be perfected through your works? Paul is driving home this point that the Christian life continues, right? We, we keep growing. We grow the same way it began. It was by faith and by the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. We're fools to think that we could do it better than the Holy Spirit can do through us. We're saved by faith in the Spirit drawing us through Christ, through, drawing us to Christ, and we are perfected. We, are, we grow in our, our relationship with Christ by the work, the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. And to, to add works into that, to rely on our works, is what we call legalism. By, by inserting a set of rules thinking, i got to do this to earn God's favor. i got to now obey these rules in order to become more righteous. Legalism is depending on a law or rules rather than on faith and the Holy Spirit. And the Galatians were falling into that, that trap, into that empty set of lies. So we've got to add more works in order to, to kind of stay saved, to stay in God's good grace in order to, to grow, to be, a, to be a good Christian. But that's not how it works. It's not how it works with us today. Now there's good things that we do, right? Coming to church this morning is a good thing. Does God look at your attendance here in church or on a Wednesday night and say, oh, you're, you're a better Christian now? I'm gonna bless you more. No. Does God say, Oh, he read the Bible five times this week, memorized a whole chapter of the Bible? Is that a good thing? Yes, does it does it make you a better Christian? No, it puts you in the position where you can hear God and know about him more. But does it suddenly make you, in your own self-effort, a a more holy, better person? No. See, legalism produces things that that aren't good. It produces pride, right? It produces a self-reliance upon us, on on our good works, deceiving us into thinking that, that we're better than we really are, that we're more capable than we really are makes us think that God loves us because of what we can do. Which then produces judgmentalism. Well, I'm, I'm better than everybody else because I can, I can keep these set of rules pretty, pretty consistently. But man, they can't. Look how much they're failing. And we're looking, we look toward where others, how well we've done and maybe how others haven't met the standard. But, but the worst part of legalism, I think, is this. is It produces an insecurity in our relationship with the Lord. And some of you may have grown up, grown up in, a, in a very legalistic kind of form of religion or even within the umbrella of Christianity, saying so you've got to keep all these rules. And if you don't keep all these rules, then you may not be saved or you may not stay saved. And so what this legalism has produced in us is like, well, man, am I good enough today? If I don't, if I don't do all these things, will God continue to love me, or am I now on the outs with God? And this this insecurity infects all of us, all of your life. See, works and self reliance on works is a is a horrible master, but that's not how it works. We are saved. Not at the basis of our own good works or ability to keep it by, by on God's good work through Jesus Christ. So works do not under salvation, but what do works do? How are works now essential because of our salvation? Well, we know this, that our works demonstrate a genuine, saving faith. Now, James... The, the, the book of James has, has received a lot of scrutiny over the centuries, right? It gets, a, it gets sometimes a bad rap because you read it and you think, like in, in verse 24 of chapter 2. It seems like James is saying the complete opposite of what Paul has just said in his letters. Because in, in verse 24, as you'll see in chapter 2, it says this. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, and which seems to be completely opposite. But what you got to understand here is James is using the term justified in a different way than Paul is. There's really two ranges of meaning in the word justified. Justified means to declare righteous, to be made righteous. Or it can also mean to to demonstrate that you've already been made righteous. And that's what James is talking about in his letter. To be not just a a hearer of the word, but a, a doer of the word. James is talking that a genuine faith, with the Holy Spirit living inside a believer, empowering transformation and 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 action. It will be seen in what a believer does. Verse fourteen. Let's read through this. It says, "What good is it, my brothers? You know, he's, he knows they're believers. If someone says that you have faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? Like, is that truly a saving faith? If you say you believe, but your life says..." Nothing proves nothing. There's no evidence in it. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in in daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without actually giving them the things that they need for the body, what good is that? Faith, genuine faith leads to a genuine obedience to what Jesus says. Like Jesus says, if if your neighbor is hungry, give him food. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. If he's naked, give him some clothes. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead, it's dormant, it's useless, it's, it's not living. Verse 18, But some of you will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, but I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, and you do well. Like, even the demons believe, and they shudder. In other words, there's a difference between just an intellectual faith and a faith that is one that has been fully submitted to the lordship and authority of Jesus. So there's a difference here. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? In other words, justified as in that it was shown, it was demonstrated that his faith was real when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. You see that his faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. Now verse 23, understand, was Genesis 15. And it clearly says, Abraham believed, and God declared him righteous. And then years later, God asked Abraham, after Isaac was born, hey, would you go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice your son? And because Abraham's faith was already real, it was demonstrated years later that his faith was authentic because he willingly was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. See, the faith that was already genuine was now lived out in his life. You see that a person is justified. that is demonstrated that his faith is real by his works, not simply by saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus. In the same way, also Rahab, verse 25, Rahab the prostitute justif- was justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by their other way. For as the body, apart from the spirit, is dead, so also faith Apart from works is dead. Rahab too already believed, already knew that this God of Israel was the God who was to be worshipped and obeyed long before the spies showed up in in her room and said, hey, can you you help us? See, a living faith leads to action. Saving faith leads to faith-filled, faith-motivated obedience and action. A genuine faith will produce the kind of life and fruit that shows that a person is saved. And that's what Jesus also says in Matthew chapter 7, that the fruit of a tree proves the nature of the tree. Jesus says this, starting in verse 15 of, of Matthew 7, "...beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits." These false prophets may, may look good, they may say the right things, but eventually you're gonna see if they're true or false by the fruit of their lives. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? No. Thorns produce thorn bushes produce thorns. Or does do figs produce thistles? No. Fig trees produce figs. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. A diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize a tree by its fruit. The fruit of our lives reveals what kind of tree we are it will eventually show right our, our branches will eventually show because of the fruits that starts hanging off and showing to others outside on the outside who we really are on the inside where our roots are down into the dna of our faith so the question really kind of is is, is what is your tree producing So, yes, works and fruit demonstrate that there is a genuine saving relationship with Jesus. But there, there's also a caution that Jesus gives here when it comes to works. He says, however, works can also be fake fruit. Verse 21, it says, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? A person can know the right title, just like the demons did in, in James chapter 2 that James was talking about. You can know, yes, Jesus, I know, he's, he's the Lord, he's the Son of God, he's, he's the guy. And you can say, Lord, Lord, we'll enter the kingdom of heaven. But who is the one that enters the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's the one who does the will of my Father who was in heaven. One who ha- has had a life that has been lived toward fulfilling the will of the Lord that is produced out of a genuine faith. On that day, talking about this final judgment. It says Jesus says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do miracles in your name? They did miracles. They preached. They had authority over demons. It seemed like it appeared that they would be saved. But then Jesus said, and I will declare to them, depart from me. I didn't know you. This word no, it's not like I didn't know your name, I didn't know who you were. He said, we had no intimate, personal relationship with each other. You, you did these things, but you never knew me. You, kn- you never came under my authority. They didn't know Jesus personally. Therefore, he says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You, you, were, you were living under your own law, under your own authority. Their identity was still under themselves, and they didn 't have a personal relationship with jesus and therefore if you there is no personal relationship, the eternal consequences are eternal separation from God himself in hell so that's that 's where we are with works. the essential nature like works are going to come and be produced, but they we've got to be careful because they can also be fake. We can be self-deceived into pretending that we're a disciple, just like just like Judas was. And I think some of these people at the end of the day, like Jesus says, are going to be like, you mean I, I wasn't saved? I was, I was busy doing all these things, but Jesus said, ultimately it starts with a relationship with me. Not about the works that you're supposed to do, but do you know me? Are we in relationship? So the question comes down to this it starts with this is do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Or maybe the better question is, is would Jesus say that he has a personal relationship with you? That, that he knows your name, that he says that one is mine. He has placed his, his or her faith in what I've done for them on the cross. And if that is your new identity, then you are in Christ. When, when God looks at you, he looks at you as saying, you are, you are mine. You are saved. You are righteous. Even though we know we don't deserve it. But it's by his grace and through faith. And if that is the case, if we are in Christ, then guess what? God created us in Christ to walk in his good works. Ephesians 2.8.9, we've already looked at it. It is by grace through faith that you have been saved. Not of your own doing, not of works, so that you could boast about it. Well up in your pride and your legalism. Said, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm basically good enough. No, you're not. It's by grace through faith. And then verse 10, for we are his workmanship, his masterpiece. We are created in Christ Jesus. Our identity is now in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Here's how it's by grace and faith, change of identity, transformed life, Holy Spirit indwelling in us, that leads to walking in good works and fruit being produced. Good works flow out of a right response to grace. Good works flow out of the freedom that we now have. In Christ, a freedom to walk in good works, not because there have to's, but because now we get to. Good works that flow out of a a love for, for God of what He's done for us. Because we know we don't we don't deserve Him. But yet we realize that God has given us this privilege. To, to be about his business, to, to walk in his good works, to, to do good works, so that people would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven, as Jesus says in Matthew 5:16. It says to let our light shine. And if we are in Christ, therefore we are to walk in good works. Good works like this: works that reflect God's character, the character of Christ to be love and grace in this world, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world, to to not just do to meet the practical needs and show the mercy of Christ in this world, but to proclaim the news about Jesus in this world, to declare that there is a way that we can be saved from our sins, and it's through having a personal relationship with Jesus works to glorify God, proclaiming the gospel, the one another's that we do uh, among us, of loving one another, of forgiving one another, of bearing one another's burdens, of, of being patient with one another, of encouraging one another. These are the works that are get-tos, that flow out of grace and the freedom and a new identity that we have. And these good works are essential. They don't, they don't earn us salvation, but they are a product Of us being saved. Motivated by love. Expressed out of a new freedom we have. Out of this abiding relationship. That we have with Jesus. Therefore much fruit. Will be produced. That we now want to serve him. We want to live for him. We want to make Jesus. Be be glorified. In this world. We aren't just spectators we're not just fans of jesus we are his hands and feet of jesus in the world who are to do his work to carry out his mission in this world as we close this morning as we have a time of response this is really designed for you for us to say god what is it based upon what your word has revealed to me what is it that i am to do well my first challenge to you would be to, has to do with this idea of works. Have you relied on your works, or have you relied on the work of Jesus to pay for your sins? In other words, have you placed your faith, all of your weight, on what Jesus has done for you, or are you relying on yourself? And if you have questions about that, you're not, you're not sure what that means or what that all involves, then, then I would encourage you to respond this morning by saying, yes, I, I know I want to respond and put my faith in Jesus or just talk with someone more about it. We've got to have clarity on that most important decision. If, if you're sure of that decision, like if you're looking like at me, like, I know, I know the Holy Spirit is living inside of me. I know I've placed my faith in Christ. Therefore, it boils down to what is my life look like? What are the, what's the fruit hanging on the branches of my life? Am I walking in the good works that God has prepared for me in Christ long, long ago? Not because they're have tos, but they are get tos. I get to, motivated out of love and out of grace. And freedom. I'd I would, I would love for you to, to, to think, how, God, how am, I, how am I living? What do I need to do for you? Not because I'm going to earn more of your love, more of your grace, but, but out of response of that grace. How can I serve you better in this body? Maybe it's becoming a part of this body. So I'm going to ask us to stand. I'm going to close in prayer. And as we sing and as we respond, again, challenge, where is my relationship? Does would Jesus said, I have a personal relationship with you? And if so, how is that authentic relationship on the inside of us flowing out into the fruit of our branches? Let's pray. Then we can respond. Father, thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you have loved us enough out of the goodness and grace and mercy that you sent your son to die for us on the cross. And may we never get tired of proclaiming that true gospel message, that we don't deserve you, that we can't work enough for you, that legalism can't save us nor cause us to grow, but we come out from under that false gospel and proclaim and live under a gospel of grace through faith. And Father, if there's anyone who has not made that decision, that you would show them that they need to this morning. Give them the courage to step forward and and respond to you. And Father, for those of us who, who we know, I know I'm a believer, Father, but what in my life needs to reflect your character more? Do I need to serve you more faithfully and more obediently not out of my own self power but out of the out of the transforming empowering work of the holy spirit so that you may be look you may be seen to be great through me through us through this church through the church father help us to respond in jesus name we pray amen